As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. The Keys to Faithfulness. A talk by Father Stefan Matuszek at the Immaculata Mission School 2018, held at Jane Franklin Hall in Hobart, Tasmania. I found two ways, two ways to overcome nervousness is either arrogance or humility. I never had much arrogance, I wasn't good enough for that. But when a Lord stripped me of the arrogance, well, he's stripping of me, the arrogance I have, he's helped me learn humility. So whenever I get nervous, I just turn to Our Lady and ask her help. I've probably spoken plenty over a thousand times now because I've offered about that many masses and all the other talks I've given. But still, you get it. So you just turn to Our Lady and say, help me, my Mary. Thank you. So I just want to start with a bit of a story about the 40 martyrs of Sebast. Has anyone heard of them? About the 3rd century, there was a new persecution, a new wave of persecutions going on. And the emperor at the time decreed that all Christians were to be put to death immediately. And he enforced this through his army. Because what was happening, the Roman army was starting to have more and more Christians in it. Because the soldiers were starting to find this on their travels. They would meet Christians like, this is amazing, we want this. So all the soldiers were converting. So out of Sebast, the governor of that area, he rounded up his troops of the area, the Roman soldiers, and he said, okay, all Christians have to step forward because by decree of the Roman Emperor, you have to either renounce your faith or die. At that, 40 of his finest soldiers stepped forward. I mean, he was at an impasse. They were good men. He knew it, and he didn't want to needlessly throw them away. He said, guys, I want to help you. I want you to give up your faith so you can save your lives. I don't want you to die. So he offered them bribes of gold, silver, uh, like early retirement, extra salary. Oh, that was apparently salt in those days. He has some salt, mate. <laughs> so the guy's like, no, we, we are Christians. We stand for Christ. We will not give it up. And he's saying, look, guys, anything, please give up your faith, whatever. So he put them in prison for several days. They still will not give up their faith. He started torturing them. Still they stood firm. Eventually he said, look, guys, he's starting to lose his cool. If you do not renounce your faith, I will strip you all and put you in the middle of the frozen lake tonight. You have now until sunset to choose. Sunset came. Forty of these men came to the edge of the lake. What did they choose? They themselves started taking off their armour piece by piece and stripping off their underclothes down to nothing. And off they marched onto the lake, chanting, we 40 die for Christ and for the martyr's crown. As the minutes and hours dragged on that frozen lake, they huddled together for warmth, still chanting, We 40 die for Christ and for the martyr's crown. But as the hours dragged on, one of the men broke. Because what the governor had done, he lit fires on the edge of the lake and there were hot baths. He said, if you renounce your faith, you can come out right now. We'll warm you up, we'll put you near the fires, give you a cloak. And he saw those fires, he saw those hot tubs and he ran. He made a break for it. Off he ran for the shore and jumped in one of the hot tubs. The cold or hot, he died immediately, of course. Then left on the lake, we 39 die for Christ and for the martyr's crown. However, one of the soldiers 
who had been torturing them just the day before, We've been watching these guys and said, they have something that we want. They have something that I want. What is it that they have? And he at that moment decided he was going to become a Christian right then, right there. He stripped off his armor piece by piece. He took off his underclothes and he walked out and joined that 39. And they continued that chant, we 40 die for Christ and for the martyr's crown. And so they did. The next day they took them. They burnt the bodies that were left and scattered the ashes. Christians came along afterwards. They gathered the ashes. They gathered the bones, the pieces, the biggest piece they could find. They distributed them everywhere as relics. And so the relics of these 40 martyrs of Sebast became very well known throughout Europe. Now these guys, they had faithfulness. They had something that we all want, don't we? We, we long for this. Oh, I can't remember. that I chose the name St. Stephen as my patron saint. Uh, confirmation because I'm named after St. Stephen of Hungary. Now, he's an awesome saint, but he's not a martyr. It's like, come on, you know what young boys are like. We've got to fix that problem. We need a martyr, someone who died for their faith. And so I did St. Stephen. I've always been attractive. And we do. There's something attractive about these martyrs. But surely they've lost. No, what have they won? They've won something more. Their fidelity to Jesus Christ has won them that eternal glory, that martyr's crown. And what, even more than that, what they've gained for themselves, they've gained They've shown what love truly is. That's what fidelity is about. It's about love. Now, I want to go deeper into this faithfulness. This is what the talk is, faithfulness. So I want to hear what you guys, a bit of um, input from the crowd, fellas. What do you guys think faithfulness is? What do you say about faithfulness? So throw me some words. Trust. Trust. Thank you. Not giving up. Commitment. Commitment. Loyalty, devotion, devotion. Humility. humility, love. Keep going, guys. I'm loving it. Brilliant. Moral courage. Moral courage. Courage. Oh. Any more? Okay, that's a good list. Perseverance. That's a, perseverance. Love it. Persever- okay, these are some good ones. Okay, oh, I need a Bible. I forgot to get one of those ready. Can someone provide? Thank you, Lord. Salamat <laughs> for. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to, I should memorize this, shouldn't I? Matthew 25, 23. I can read my own writing. Woohoo! Okay, I want to introduce a new word into your minds for faithfulness. This Bible is beautifully and well loved. I'm going to just take off on this sticky note so I can read it though. Thank you. Um, okay, a new word for faithfulness into your vocabulary. Another way of thinking about it. And look, if any of you guys are going to fall asleep, do it now, because you cannot hear the first half of this talk and not the second half, okay? So if you have to leave, you're going to fall asleep, do it now, and don't hear either any half. Good? Okay, I'm watching you guys in the beanbags. They're very comfortable. (laughs) There's a spare one too, if anyone wants. Okay. Now, we know this passage well. For it will be as when a man going on a journey, called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. 
But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and servant. (laughs) You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gathered where I have not winnowed. When you ought to have made have invested my money with the bankers, and in my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Multiplication. Multiplication. Faithfulness is multiplication. Have I scared you guys yet? Like I said, don't fall asleep. Multiplication in what fruit we bear. Oh, I'm supposed to say that. Um, the fruit we're supposed to bear in other people. Like we go out, evangelize. This mission school, how long, how, what did it start with? 30 people? 100 and how many now? 150. 150, thank you. Miss Sarah Gohan. <laughs> I'll get the right one day. Faithfulness is multiplication. Now, we're not all going to see that. I know Carmelite nuns, and they don't have any converts. Apparently, that we see. But the faithfulness that they show shows in the multiplication of their soul. You know, hands up, who can think back to, say, 10 years ago? It's probably too long for a lot of you guys. Think maybe five years ago or a couple of years ago. Where were you in your faith journey? What has the Lord done with you? He's multiplied the faith in your soul. He has helped you grow that beautiful garden of your soul is bearing fruit. It's multiplying that fruit. Multiplication in your own soul, multiplication outside our own soul. Now, this can be scary because then we start to go, oh, look, Lord, I have this many baptisms, I have this many people, I converted that many people. I only bumped into a couple of people when we were doing mission yesterday. Am I not being faithful enough? Now, this is where we can fall into a danger and we start to try and count our gains. Now, we never do this. We never count because that belongs to the Lord. That belongs to the Lord. However, we have to bear in mind that we are not just called to um, go to church, come home, and that's it. We're called to go out and actually multiply our faith. Otherwise, what would the Lord say? Does he say, well done, good and faithful servant, you went to Mass every Sunday? He could call you lazy, lazy servant, or even wicked servant. He says, I want you to multiply your faith. Grow it, enrich it. Now, 
This is scary. Don't fall asleep. You're waking up. You're awake? Good. Okay. The work is not ours. That is our consolation. That is our hope. You remember um, the Corinthians were complaining um, to St. Paul, saying, oh, look, I'm a group. I'm the St. Paul group over here, like Mother was talking about yesterday. I'm the Apollos group over here. I'm for St. Peter over here. And they were causing factions. And I was starting holding... And they were holding people over others and they were starting to war between each other. And St. Paul goes, don't be stupid. We're the body of Christ. As Mother, um, Mother Mary Therese said to us this morning, don't be stupid. We're all the one body of Christ. So what did St. Paul said? 1 Corinthians 3.6 I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. God gave the growth. It's God that multiplies in us. When we're faithful. So that brings that how are we faithful? How are we going to be faithful so that he can increase in us? Multiplication shows that we're being faithful. How are we actually going to do it? Now, um, I'm going to give you a bit of a demonstration. Uh, Bibi, could you come forward, please? So, I grew up doing Polish dancing because I'm Polish. So, I'm going to use Polish dancing examples. Exhibit A. Okay. You going to count or what? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll count. One, two, three, two, two, three. So, yeah, I'll start me up. Exhibit A. The little people in there, I just did a dance with somebody, okay? I'm a priest, I know, but she's my sister, it's okay. So, as you could tell, I'm a little bit rusty, I haven't danced for 10 years. She's still dancing, she was doing a bit of leading there, right? And it was a bit rusty because we're clonking on each other and I could lead very well. However, um, Fred Astaire, hands up if you know of Fred Astaire. Who's heard of Fred Astaire? Okay. One of the best dancers of last century. You youngers could, I can remember him. He's like, me and him are like this. So, Fred Astaire, the best dancer ever. Now, it's a bit of a joke. His favourite dance partner was Ginger Rogers. So, we're like, oh, Fred Astaire, the best dancer ever. But hey, Ginger Rogers does whatever he does backwards and in high heels. She must be better, surely. Anyway, sorry, old people's joke. Oh, gee, they're a tough crowd. <laughs> Ginger Rogers was Fred Astaire's favourite dance partner. She wasn't a professional dancer. She was an actress. She could do a bit of amateur dancing on the side, and that was it. Do you know why she was his favourite dance partner? Because she was an amateur. She wasn't professional, so she allowed him to lead. She was so good at just letting him direct her wherever she went. And she just abandoned herself into his arms. And he guided her around the dance floor. And all the ladies are like, oh, Fred is there. I wish I was Ginger. And all the guys are like, wow, I wish I could lead a girl like that. And, just... and that's why they made it big. That's why they were good. Same with God. Obviously, God is Fred Astaire right here. 
we, like Ginger Rogers, have to abandon ourselves into our Lord's arms and let him lead us around the dance floor. Multiplication and receptiveness. Word two. Multiplication and receptiveness. And the receptiveness is one of the ones we have to focus on. Because multiplication belongs to the Lord. Receptiveness is what we do. Allowing the Lord to guide us wherever we go. Now, I've got a bit of a theory, and someone's going to come help me demonstrate this one, please. Now, this theory of mine, actually, I'll tell you the theory later. Start to hyperventilate right here. Come through a Okay, ready? up his kitchen duties for that. <laughs> Little people, I just danced with my brother. I did the girl's part. He threw me. It was scary. Being receptive is freaky. It's really scary. I like to be in control. Yes, we like control. It makes us a false sense of security and it is false. It is false, this sense of security that we have. I've never dropped a women da- girl dancing. I've never dropped one yet. But I could. I'm not infallible. I'm not the Pope. No, the Pope. <laughs> That's not infallible. Fallible. You know that. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I could. But God is perfect. He can't. He does not drop us. He does not drop us. He would never drop us. If you want to jump down, he won't stop us because we have freedom and he respects our freedom. But he will never ever drop his beloved children. My theory, um, women have always been the faithful ones, the foot of the cross, right through the centuries. Nowadays, you go to churches, who is it? Two-thirds women. The ladies are just more faithful. I think the ladies know how to be receptive. You guys were all here, or most of you were here for the St. Joseph's talk. It was so beautiful when Simone started getting into the fact that St. Joseph was so receptive to the Lord. And we started talking about the masculine genius. Our masculine genius, she said, was to be able to get up and do things. Get up and go out there. These are masculine genius. However, we first have to be receptive. St. Joseph didn't go, hey, um, Mother Mary, I heard it's pretty good weather up in Babylon. Let's go, come on. No, he waited. He was receptive. The Lord said, Egypt. Egypt? So off they went to Egypt. He was receptive. He waited. He was responsive to the Lord's call, not his own will. It is a Lord masculine, it is a masculine genius, genius to step out, to do, to be active. However, we must first be receptive. And for a guy, I think especially, that this is difficult. And for women, I think. It is a bit easier, though still, I'm sure, not easy. But many women tell me, oh, Father, I love control. And when, when a woman falls down in control, what do they manipulate, right? They, oh, hey, I get him to do this. I get him to do that. 
You know, you know who watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah? And there's a line where the mother's talking to the daughter. You know, the husband is the head, and he directs the family. However, the woman, she is the neck, and she turns the head whichever way she wants. <laughs> this is the twisted devil version. How does our lady do? She doesn't manipulate, she guides. She encourages. She is not the neck, she is the heart. And the heart directs the head in a much more perfect and gentle and fruitful way and effective. Ladies, whenever you, you know, meet that guy and you want to nag him and sort of pull him, don't be the neck, be the heart. Encourage, support, and guide gently in that beautiful feminine genius that the women have. We're getting a bit off traffic, uh, topic here, but they said we've got 50 minutes, so I have to fill it. <laughs> Apparently. Okay, responsiveness. Now, I remember when I first heard that the Holy Father goes to confession once a week. What on earth do you confess? I mean, I don't think he beat his brother up. He wasn't disobedient to mum. What's he done? I was a kid at the time, obviously. That's my confession. I didn't do what mum said. I my brother. And my sister. Or six of them. So, I've dumbfounded. What is the confession of the saints like? I mean, they've overcome a lot of their sinfulness. I mean, what are they confessing? The saints get to that stage where they're dancing so beautifully and so perfectly with God. Those moments they go to their lives and say, "Uh, actually, I sort of want to do that. And they don't listen to God's call before they um, maybe go to town. Should I go to Kingston, go to Hobart? And they just don't ask the Lord first. Off they go to Hobart. But if they'd asked the Lord, they would have said Kingston. And the saint would be like, oh, I should have been responsive. I should have actually listened first. Or they got a slight prompting from the Holy Spirit internally. And um, Tom, can I use you as an example? At that early stage, you said that you came out of confession and you said that I should tell my wife. That was a prompting from the Holy Spirit. It was like, maybe later. These are the, these are the um, what we think is small, but they're huge sins. Because just imagine the responsiveness of a saint. If they dance with the Lord, how many souls might be saved if they dance right? And how many souls might not hear the word and might not be saved if they try and dance to their own tune? These are huge things, and the saints know this. And so that's why they're so torn apart when they haven't danced with the Lord, how he wants them to dance. Um, Father Rob Galea, the beating heart, the one rhythm, the one rhythm. So what we have to do, we have to keep coming back and kickstart our heart. I want to offer you four steps to how to be responsive. Four steps to how to be responsive, like the saints. With a preliminary. <laughs> okay, hands up. Who's still trying to figure out their vocation in life? Put my hand down. I'm a priest. You're married. Don't put your hand up. <laughs> hands high. Who's still trying to discover their vocation? Right. Some, doesn't something eat you up sometimes? Hands up if it eats you up. Like, what does God want me to do? Ah, oh, should I be married, religious, priest? Actually, not priest. I mean, come on, Father, Lord, come on. 
Okay. I was like that once. Now, awesome. We should be wanting to know what our vocation is. We should be wanting to know what the Lord has in store for us. We should be desiring to do that. However, that could be 10 years away. If we focus on something that could be 10 years away, we might miss what the Lord wants us to do now. Our vocation is to be responsive to what the Lord wants today. Yeah? Because I'll tell you what, Tom, when you got married, did you have it all sorted, all down pat? You knew everything the Lord wanted you to do? No, Oh, come on, please, a little bit? Even Our Lady, remember what we heard early this morning? Oh, it was early this afternoon, actually. The angel came and then departed from her. The angel came to St. Joseph three times. Did he stay? No. See, we have to be responsive to what the Lord wants us today, right now, right here. So how do we focus on the vocation of today, the vocation of now? And here are the four steps. God is used to putting up with, um, what did the Father uh, Michael say? Um, starts with B. Um, bu- buffoons. Buffoons. He's used to putting up with buffoons like myself. And so he gave us the Ten Commandments and the Scriptures. Step one, pray, follow the commandments. Do good, avoid evil. It's like, what does God want me to do? I don't know. He wrote it in a book. We call it the Bible. <laughs> Ta-da. He's speaking to us. So do good, avoid evil, follow the commandments. Wherever there's sin in our life, work to cut it out. Bring it to confession and a real purpose of amendment. Overcome this sinfulness. And then, as Father Michael again said, put us so beautifully in this morning's homily, whatever is not of God, if it's not bringing us closer to God, why is it in our life? Get rid of it. We have to be purified of this one day, he said, in this life or in the next. Purgatory. Do it here. It's easier and quicker and less painful. Believe me, it's true. The saints say so. The scripture says so. Um, You may think it's hard here, but hey, this ain't nothing. It's worse than purgatory. At least it's joyful in purgatory still. We know we're getting to heaven. So, step one. Follow the commandments. Avoid evil. Do good. Okay, no brainer. Thanks, Father. No worries. (laughs) Second point. Pray and listen. Develop an attentive ear to what the Lord wants us to do. Now, we have um, personalities with different sort of um, inclinations. Some of us tend to be more outgoing, some less outgoing, some tend towards this, some tend towards that. Some might say, I want to go to Kingston, some say, I want to go to Hobart. So we have a natural tendency, and that's good and beautiful. God gave us that, and we should work with the strengths of that. However, one way to listen is when I'm praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? We're going to have a natural tendency, which will be a little bit twisted usually, a little bit, um, a little bit um, fallen because of our fallen human nature. So that will sometimes cloud what God's trying to say to us. So we tend to lean a little bit against what our natural inclination is to do. So if I love going on the town in Hobart, we'll pump it up in Hobart. Woohoo! Hobart! Dum, dum, dum. Then I should lean towards the tendency to maybe stay home 
or go to Kingston and, and go to church. <laughs> you know, actually, that's following the commandments bit. That's the easy one. But you see what I mean? So a careful, attentive ear to the Lord. And how do we know whether it's the Lord or ourselves? Well, lean a little bit against what, in our fallen nature, we tend to do ourselves too easily. Like, I'm a bit outgoing, a little bit, and I talk a bit. So for me, when I'm trying to discern what the Lord wants me to do in the situation, does he want me to speak up, put my hand up and say, I know the answer, pick me, pick me. <laughs> I say, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. If someone picks me, then I'll give my answer. So my natural tendency is to like jump right out, so I lean a bit against it. If you're the opposite, you're like, wait, where's the corner? Don't pick me. I'm over here. Not there. Maybe every so often, step out a bit and say, actually, I might have something to offer. Would you possibly like me to? Um, so listening to the Spirit working within us. Um, was last night Holy Spirit night? When was Holy Spirit night? So I was uh, gone. I heard confessions. Confessions are finished. I went to get prayed over myself. Always keen for more prayer. Yes. Um, afterwards, I adoration. I went and knelt down at the front, adoration. I um, got nice and close to our Lord. I'm kneeling there, and I see the bowl of scripture quotes. It's like, Lord, you know, um, I'm going to pick one. It's like, oh, hang on, hang on. Lord, if you want me to pick one, let me know which one. So I knelt down and closed my eyes. I was praying about stuff, and then suddenly lavender popped into my head. I was thinking, don't be stupid. There's no lavender quotes there. There's yellow, there's green, there's red, there's pink. There's no lavender. And so I opened my eyes, and right on top staring at me, is a purple quote. Purple, lavender, whatever you call it. Anyway, Lord, okay, pick that one. Thank you, Lord. It was perfect. So being responsive, pause. Lord, what do you want me to do? Listen. Be attentive to his voice. And the saints, when we practice, we practice, 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 we start to do it throughout our lives. It starts to become a daily routine. We walk into a room. So there's my mates. <laughs> Say, Lord, walk into a room. Lord, where do you want me to sit? Just a quick prayer to ourselves. No one even knows. Like, if you see Father Anthony Mary walk in the room and just sit there and go, he's probably asking the Lord what to do. <laughs> Responsiveness is no excuse for laziness. Point three, take the first step. If we give the Lord something to work with, he can work. If we give the Lord nothing to work with, he can't do nothing. He works with our nature. Grace builds on nature. Seminarians, any seminarians here? They're all first-timers. We hear the seminary all the time. Grace builds on nature. Grace builds on nature. Grace builds on nature. We have to help perfect them. We have to give him our nature so he can work grace with it, through it. So when we've got a decision, we have to sort of lean on the door a little bit. So I've got two decisions. Pick this one, pick that one. I don't know. They're both good. I'm, like, I'm not breaking the commandments. Both are good things, Lord. I've been praying and listening to you. You haven't said lavender. So I don't know which door to pick. Um, so what do I do? I just, I don't know, Lord. So don't sit there and say, Meh, I'll just watch some TV. We take a step. We push a door. We push another door. One of those doors is going to be open. And the other one will probably be locked. Mother Mary Therese, what does she always pray? The door be open. Let the doors that you want be open. The doors that you want not be open. Close the doors that you don't want. I don't know how she prays it. Beautiful prayer. So push on these doors. Work out which is locked, which is open. 
And if it's open, if it gives way, walk. Keep walking. And the Lord will say, oh, hang on, this way, oh, this way. And he'll guide the dance. And we'll start dancing beautifully because we're pushing on the doors and the right door's open. After this mission school, I have um, nearly four weeks of holidays, three weekends, four weeks. I'm like, what do I do after mission school, Lord? Should I stay with my family in Tasmania? And I really want to stay with my family. Now, I do love you <laughs> so much. And I would love to have stayed here with you guys. Um, I don't, what do you want me to do? Someone asked me, Should you go walk, uh, do you want to come walk crossroads with us? Uh, I've been hearing about crossroads for a few years. I love this crossroads. Ah, oh, I still want to do crossroads. Ah, oh, I want to go home and spend time with my family, especially my two grandmothers, 96 and 90, 94 and 90. Uh, what do I do, Lord? I want to do both. Can I bilocate, please? Padre Pio. <laughs> no, can't bilocate yet. So I had to pray and I had to listen. And it took a while. It took weeks and weeks and weeks. I hadn't booked my flights yet. And weeks. I said I booked my flights. They're not getting expensive. And weeks. And I said, well, what do I do? Anyway. I was pushing on both doors a little bit until suddenly I'm studying a course and I got an email and the dates of the course came. Okay, the first unit, the first two days of the first unit are the 10th and the 11th of January. Crossroads starts on the 13th of January. Oh, okay. Crossroads starts in Brisbane. The course is in Brisbane. Okay, Lord, I have to fly back to Brisbane and then you want me to do crossroads. He put me in that place. He opened the doors. So I walked. So I want to do both. I couldn't do both. So I ended up doing the one the Lord wants. I know he'll give me the time of our family another time when he wants it in his will. What is he wants us to do? So we just lean on the doors, push them open a little bit, start stepping through them. He'll let us know. And he won't let us fall off the cliff. I mean, sometimes, actually, my first question when I went to the, um, apply for the seminary. Oh, Father, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm applying for I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain, I'm actually, I'm 100% certain the Lord wants me to join the seminary. Absolutely. Have you ever heard of guys who, like, join the seminary just for a couple of years and then just don't become priests? <laughs> it's like, I was saying, Lord, I'll, I'll go to the seminary, I know that's what you want, but I don't really want the priesthood. So I'll do it for a couple of years and then I can go, right? <laughs> anyway, wrong, I was wrong. <laughs> My prayer before Nathan the Diaconate, I knew that was the point of no return. I said, Lord, if you don't want this, stop me. If you want this, I'm going to walk. I'm going to do it for you. He will not let a door open that we're not supposed to walk through if we're open and listening to him. And obviously not pushing ourselves, then we're like, he respects our freedom. If we want to get the sledgehammer and start smashing that locked door, he will let it open for us eventually. Possibly. Sometimes he doesn't. He's, he's merciful that way. And he's done that for me a few times. My calling to the priesthood was a sledgehammer or a semi-trailer. Depends how I'm feeling on the day. Okay, so we're dancing beautifully with God. We're avoiding evil. Just stay there, we're still that. We're doing good. We're listening to him. Oh, yeah. And we're walking through the doors and we're dancing. Occasionally, we fall over. Very graceful fall. <laughs> And we get, oh, I'm so bad. I'm so terrible. How could I have done that? I let the Lord down. I'm such a sinner. I'm so stupid. How could I have done that? What not to do? 
when we fall, not if we fall, when we fall, do not get upset, do not get anxious, do not be worried. Because that focuses the attention on us. What do the saints do when they fall? Lord, see how sinful I am. See what I did? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your mercy. I'm so sorry. Please help me to get up and do better. This is what we should do. This is the saint's way of dealing with sin. Because sin should not make us upset at ourselves. Sin should make us turn back to the Lord. And the Lord is mercy. The Lord loves us so much. He doesn't want us to start cutting ourselves up because of what we've done wrong. And this is hard, isn't it? So often I get upset at myself. That's just pride. That's just pride, guys. Um, let's overcome that. I don't know if I should tell you some stories about that. Probably shouldn't. I want to tell you a secret in a minute, but first, let's come full around. Faithfulness is multiplication. The Lord multiplies the spirit within our own soul and in the work we do for him. It is receptiveness. We dance with him and we allow him to guide us. Guys, this is scary. <laughs> really scary. But, as the beautiful definitions you've given, faithfulness is being steadfast. Like those 40 martyrs of Sebast. They stood there through the trials and they stood with Jesus. We, 40, die for Christ and for the martyr's crown. And guys, I promise you it is going to get difficult. The Lord didn't say it was going to be easy. He promised the exact opposite. People are going to persecute you. Speak all kinds of calumny against you. On my account. But rejoice and be glad. Woohoo! <laughs> Suffering! Bring it on! <laughs> if you pray for suffering, ask the Lord to be with you at the same time. I know people have asked for suffering and got to be proud about it, so the Lord humbled them. <laughs> I get very scared when I um, pray for suffering. Um, but I'll tell you the secret in a minute, so don't be, don't be afraid. When I um, was in the seminary, I um, had to come home once and dancing with the Lord as best I could, tripping up lots, and still trip lots. Um, but I booked the flights because I knew you wanted me to do this with my money, you wanted to do that with my money. You know how much money seminarians have. Father Mark Dudeman told you at the, sem- at the uh, homily this morning. So, but I had enough left for the flights. Okay, no worries. As I went and booked my flights, do you know what was left in my bank account? One dollar. I had one dollar to my name, but I had returned flights home for the holidays. Woo-hoo. Next Christmas, I was in Brisbane doing a clinical pastor education course in the hospital. I was doing what he wanted me to do. I was trying to do this, trying to do that. Well, I went to book my flights home. Didn't have the finances. I tried some more. I waited for a week. Okay, tried booking flights home. Flights gone up. I didn't have the finances anymore. I, I just couldn't. Whatever I tried, I just could not fly home for Christmas. We had a 10 days break over Christmas. It was hard. It hurt. It hurt so much. The Lord used this, though, for beautiful things. I had the best Christmas I've ever had that year because I spent in the hospital visiting patients and the joy God gave to my heart was so extraordinary, so immense. I cannot 
the people I met, the tears I saw that day, the beauty of Christmas in a hospital, guys, try it one day. Honestly, it's amazing. But it hurt. But the Lord used it not only to give joy to me and the people I met in the hospital that Christmas day, he also used it to help detach myself from my family and embrace my new family of the church. And he worked amazing things through that suffering. One of the biggest problems I see with new Christians where they first become Christian or whether they just suddenly become a new fervor of their faith, they'll go for a little bit and then get past the honeymoon period and then they'll hit a brick wall. <laughs> their prayer becomes dry. They don't find joy in even praise and worship. They, whatever it is they do, it's difficult. And so what they do? God doesn't love me. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be following him. Maybe I'm not worthy. And they start stepping away. It is when the suffering comes that we have to be even more faithful and start dancing with the Lord. Because what's the Lord doing? If we love those we like, if we love our neighbour, what does that to do with us? Even the pagans do as much, do they not? But when you love your enemies, that is love. So God, in a sense, makes himself our enemy. Little people, there was inverted commas there. He helps us to love him even when we don't want to. And he helps us to grow in love. This is an important part. Otherwise, we wouldn't become saints. Suffering is essential to sanctity. So we have to be faithful in that completely. Okay, here's a secret. Multiplication. Receptiveness. And being steadfast. The secret is over here. Who knows Mama Mary's last words in the scriptures? The last thing she said. Thank you, Sarah Ali Mangohan. John 2.5. John 2.5. Do whatever he tells you. You remember the one, the stone jars of water, he turns into wine? She's telling us, do what he tells you. You've got water, bring it to him, he'll turn into wine. As long as you do what he tells you. Mama Mary, she guides us, she prompts us, she helps us do that. But she makes it easy. I wanted to tell you some of the struggles and some of the sufferings that I've gone through, but I don't really have any. I, my first year at the seminary, I stumbled across true devotion to Mary, St. Louis-Marie de Montfort. St. Louis-Marie de Montfort, true devotion to Mary. You've got a pen, write that down. And then there's also 33 Days to Morning Glory by a priest, which is a summary of that. And both direct us to true, complete consecration to Our Lady. St. Louis-Marie de Montfort says, becoming a saint is like being a statue and being chipped away. God says, mm. hang on, that's got to go. Mm, a bit there. It starts knocking away bits of us. And it hurts, doesn't it? Imagine being chiseled. Gee, Samuel, well, Samuel's gone now. Our little brother, my little brother Samuel, he threw a chisel in his, shoot, his leg once. Was that Samuel? Oh, no, it was Bibi. Bibi over there put a chisel in her leg. How did it feel? Great! <laughs> okay, first you won't feel it when the Lord chisels, but later it hurts. No. Right? 
St. Louis-Marie de Montfort says, being made a saint is like being chiseled, it hurts. But with true devotion to Mama Mary, it is like being poured into a mould. Molten metal being poured into a mould and shaped gently and lovingly, like clay. It is easier, and it's more perfect, and it's quicker, and it's better. Why not true devotion to Mary when sanctity is... It's just like, it's no-brainer. You know, who's watched... Um, and I'm going to finish with this. Who watched a uh, singing movie? We watched heaps as kids. Like you brought siblings along. Sound of Music, thank you. <laughs> no, 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 no. What is Sound of Music? Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. <laughs> a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Medicine go down. Medicine go down. Yeah? Are you kids? Wrong generation. Get with it. I'm oh, so uneducated. <laughs> Mary Poppins, she says, have some medicine, then a spoonful full of sugar, and makes the medicine go down. Mama Mary makes the sugar the medicine. She is so amazing. She is so beautiful. I've gone through the last 10 years of formation in the seminary and two and a half years of priesthood. There have been so many trials, but they just don't seem like trials. It has almost seemed easy to come to where I am today. And I'm filled with a confidence because I know that I have the heart of a mother watching over me, guiding me and protecting me. And so let us today ask my Mary for that faithfulness so we may multiply, be receptive to the Lord's call and be steadfast even if he calls us to give our own lives. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of death. Amen. Our Lady of the Way, pray for us. Saint Joseph. That was Father Stefan Matushek with The Keys to Faithfulness. For more from the Immaculata Mission School, visit radio.org.au.